On Sunday, we talked about the Eighth Commandment as we continue our 10 Rules series, You Shall Not Steal. Uh, we we kind of had a trouble naming this one, actually. We talked about it as the rule of contentment and as the rule of respect. Because really, the, the key to being obedient to the Eighth Commandment is both contentment, learning how to be content. Uh, and I like how even Paul says that it, uh, I've learned to be content. What, is it, what does it mean to learn to be content, to learn contentment? Contentment doesn't just come. And also to respect others, to respect God's sovereignty and that he's given us some things to steward and he's given other people things to steward. Um, and if we really see God as sovereign in the universe, we have to respect him, but also respect others and what he has gifted others. And obviously that'll keep our hearts away from being a heart of theft, a heart of the heart that desires to steal. Um, but there was a lot of questions I know left unanswered from the sermon Sunday. We don't do this every week, but we decided this week, let's have a little sermon talk back with our dear friend, the doctor, Lou Priolo. Uh, so Lou, first question, I'm curious, you know, I said on Sunday, and obviously we talked about this in the sermon but I think it'd be, it probably merits talking a little bit more about. Um, we said on Sunday that, that most people think that they're innocent of this command. In fact, I quoted a couple of polls. One said 90% of Christians think that they're innocent of this command. And of course, I walked through the um, question 110 in the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, which I think kind of shows that we're not as innocent as maybe we would like to believe. I don't know, any, any additional thoughts on that that you have? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is how we operate at work. I mean, we're getting paid a wage, most of us, and so are we good stewards of the um, the time and the money that's entrusted to our bosses? I think it goes to having a good work ethic. I think it goes to making sure that um, we give a good day's work, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay. And then I, I think beyond that, if we're going to look inside of our hearts, the essence of thievery is discontentment, is covetousness. And I think on that level, we um, have a lot of issues in our heart yeah. that relate to discontentment, that relate right. to covetousness. And I, I guess covetousness is a different sin, as we'll see here in a couple of weeks. But there is like a covetousness of goods or covetousness of property or covetousness of wife or whatever mm -hmm. that, that is evidence of a heart that is really a, a, the heart of a thief. One of the things one of my seminary professors said to me one time, and I thought this was so good, if the only thing that's keeping you from a sin is the opportunity to do that sin or the consequences of that sin, then what does that say about your heart? That you love the sin more than you realize. Right, right. And so, like, if there were no consequences, yeah. and if you had opportunity, um, if no one, if either the cops weren't going to come and get you if you stole this, and if, like, nobody was going to see you steal it, there's no consequence, then do you really respect other people's property enough to not steal? And probably for a lot of us, our heart is no. Yeah, right. and do you really love the Lord enough to do the right thing even though no one is looking? Yeah. I thought something else that was really convicting in the Heidelberg definition, uh, and we talked about this obviously a lot on Sunday, but um, swindling our neighbor by schemes made to appear legitimate. Um, I, I kind of think this is talking about like manipulation, right? And, and I think a lot of our manipulating other people 
can be done. Um, you know, we don't think that we're doing it really, um, but it's very selfish and very self-centered. Um, I don't know. I just thought that was really, and, and we appear to be legitimate. We, we we appear to be good in the process, but it's really manipulative because we really want something from them. Yeah, I actually wrote a little booklet on manipulation, but um, I would say even more than that, it's it falls in the realm of dishonesty. Um, when you swindle someone, often there's this idea, I'm going to tell you some of the truth, but I'm not going to tell you the whole truth. I'm not going to give you all of the information that you need to make a wise biblical decision. I'm going to hold back something. And by virtue of omission, I'm not being totally honest with you. Yeah, which just shows like a lot of these horizontal commands. I mean, all the, all the commands are connected, but you know, really when you steal, like there's covetousness involved. A lot of times there's dishonesty involved. Sometimes contentment. murder gets involved. I mean, laziness. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm not going to work for it. I'm going to just take it from someone else. So this is interesting then. So the next question then, so let's just get to the heart of the matter, right? What does God require of you in this command? This is the 11, 111th question of the Heidelberg Catechism that I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as I would like them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. Um, hard work, uh, external focus. Um, this is, obviously the, um, the second great commandment is kind of wrapped up in this. So this really gets to the heart of this command. And, and of this, if this is true, if, if, if Heidelberg's right here, that God is requiring from us in the Eighth Command that I do whatever I can for my neighbor's good, that I treat others as they would like to treat, as I would like for them to treat me, and that I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need, then really none of us are innocent of this command. Right. Because I don't think I've lived like that all the time or maybe even today. And it's interesting, it gets back to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, to the thief, let him who stole steal no more that's putting off the thievery but what do you replace it with but rather let him labor working with his hands that which is good that he may give to him who has need and yep. so the, so the idea is you put off the thievery and you put on diligence and generosity so those are would you would say external kind of um cures to a, a heart of a thievery. Yeah, I mean, there's some sense in which they're internal because you have to deal with your heart first. But when, when I think of when I think of that verse, I think of things you do sort of externally, and then if I'm if I'm really trying to get at the heart of thievery, I think the issue is contentment versus discontentment. Being yeah. satisfied with the things that God has given you, having food and clothing, let us there with be content. If God has food, if we have food and clothing, then we should be content with that and um, not to covet things beyond that. Yeah, right? I am, I think it's, it's, it's where you're finding your identity and value too, obviously that speaks to contentment. And so in a world, I think thievery becomes very um, easy uh, in a world like ours. You know, even think of like, like Wall Street, right? I mean, obviously why did, um, why do we have such a recession in 2008, 2009, 2010? Really, it was because a lot of people stole a lot of money from a lot of people. And that was, everybody was doing it, right? I mean, I think that you had lenders that were really being dishonest. 
you and everybody bought into the scheme you know um even the even the people that were buying houses to some degree i mean if you're going to buy a house that you can't afford um you're putting zero money down i mean the the, the law was letting people do this but it was really coming from a, a heart of discontentment, a heart of thievery, a heart of covetousness. Greed, I'm right. going to greed. I'm going to live in this big house, and it's going to make me happy, or whatever. You know, the reason they're wanting to live in the big house was impress my friends. Yeah, and so, and obviously, a lot of people got into a lot of trouble because of that. But it, there was an environment of greed. There was an environment that a lot of people bought into. So I think in America right now, and really at any time. Um, you know, our contentment gauge is so far off from the rest of the world, from the rest of the world, yeah. because we look around us and we say, well, I'm just as good as that person. I mean, I think it's this, it's this internal thing of I'm just as good as that person. Therefore, I should have. We compare ourselves with other people. And Paul says when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves amongst themselves, they're not wise. Jesus said, take heed. In other words, watch out. Be on your guard. Beware of covetousness of greed. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. But that's really, well, it was it was interesting that Jesus says that, you know, because obviously still to this day, that's how most people measure their life. Yeah. What do I own? What do I have? What position do I hold? And and we can, if we feel like we're getting the short end of the stick on any of those things, I think any of us are can be subject to to being thieves and that. Even, you know, one of the things I talked about Sunday, I don't, I don't know if you, you, Lou had to, Lou got there a little late because of uh, some bad weather, but um, one of the things I said Sunday was uh, stealing credibility. Um, one of the things that people do is they, they're dishonest about their rival or whatever so that they'll get the promotion and not them. Well, I think that comes from a... They'll slander and say a heart of about thievery. other people that they shouldn't to make themselves. I mean, talk about thievery. You, you steal the good reputation of yeah, another. You you're steal stealing credibility. Right, yeah. Sometimes preachers steal sermons from other preachers. Yeah, know, well, we talked about... Without giving them credit. Well, we talked about right. yeah. stealing of thought, which yeah. is plagiarism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, and obviously, yeah, people do plagiarism too. And people do plagiarism too with just ideas like... Um, I remember talking to a friend of mine who was on a staff um, of a, an organization, and they said that one of the things that frustrated them so much is they would have an idea, and the boss always took credit for it. They never would say, you know, so-and-so brought this idea to me or whatever. And I, you just think how discouraging that was because it's stealing, it, and it, uh, it's vile. It's a violation of God's law. Certainly, it's not loving your neighbor as yourself, is it? So what do I do if I have stolen? What do I do? Like, how do I... Maybe I heard this sermon. Maybe I'm hearing this podcast. I'm getting a little convicted. What What is my practical next step if I am a thief? I think first thing you need to do is confess your sins to God. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So I think you, you confess it as sin to God. You commit yourself to being diligent, to working hard, to developing a contented spirit. And then uh, the thing that you have stolen, you have an obligation to try to make right. We don't talk much about restitution, but the Bible has a pretty good amount to say concerning restitution. And if at all possible, uh, we ought to at least try to make restitution for the things that we have stolen. So what does that look like? I mean, how do I go about that? Um, you know, let's say I'm getting evicted, I think of a situation do I just go, do I write a letter? Do I go talk to the person? I mean, like, what, what, I mean. 
Just give me some practical examples here. I, I think you, you do have to communicate with the other person. Um, and again, I hate to give a, a cookie cutter answer because um, there are a lot. Every situation is different. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it may require counsel, it may even require, require legal counsel. But the, the short answer to the question is you contact the person and you make arrangements to start paying it back as, as, uh, as well as you can. Yeah. Yeah, you and ask, you you ask for forgiveness. The Bible has a lot to say about you know we don't t we don't connect the dots, but between thievery and a clear conscience. But the Bible has a lot to say about the importance of having a clear conscience. And if you don't at least try, a clear conscience is being able to look everybody in the eye and say, look, I've never sinned against you without at least trying to make it right. And if you don't have a good conscience, the Bible says you're potentially going to shipwreck your faith. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5, the goal of our instruction is love. Everything we teach is so that you would love, right? Love God, love your neighbor. That flows from a pure heart and a good conscience and a genuine faith. And then he adds this warning. For some men, straying from these, have turned aside to fruitless discussion. And then a little bit later in the same chapter, he says, um, I command... With this command, I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience. And here's the warning again, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. So it's a pretty serious thing yeah. not and so, to strive to have a clear and a good conscience. And so what you're saying here is that if there is conviction in our hearts, we don't have to just live with an unclear conscience. You can, the right thing to do is actually go and pursue reconciliation. And if you've stolen something, real restitution. Yes. Yeah. Well, Lou, this has been super helpful. Any, any closing thoughts for the folks? Um, again, I think the, the most important thing it is not so much focusing on the external thievery, but it's like so much that Jesus taught, get below the surface and look at what's going on in your heart. Is there an attitude of greed there, a covetousness? Is there a discontentment with the things that God has given you? And really, we didn't mention this, but am I really living for the next life or am I living for this life? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, we're going to have everything we need and beyond, right? And so if God asks us in this life to go with less, to have less than other people, uh, people maybe even that we know and love, is that such an intolerable trial? When we get to heaven, great will be our reward if we faithfully follow Christ. Whatever I do, I do for my neighbor's good. I treat them as I would like for them to treat me. And I work faithfully so that I may share with those in need. I think if that could just be the posture of our heart, yeah. obviously that would help us in a lot of ways, but particularly to obey the Eighth Command. Yep. Well, Lou, helpful discussion as always. For Lou Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks so much for joining us.